you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Use the hard count. Flag is down. Free play. Takes the shot down. Field. Antonio Brown goes up and gets it. Hard count works. Touchdown Steelers. Mariota on first down. Shot down the middle of the field. and open. No safety there. Richard Matthews at the 20. Cuts back at the 15. And Matthews goes. Opening play. Touchdown for the Titans. Roethlisberger in zone. Antonio Brown. Touchdown. From the 10, Roethlisberger throwing end zone. Antonio Brown, spectacular catch. Touchdown. Wow. Wow, indeed. My boy. Owl boy. Mike Tarico with the call uh, for NFL Network and NBC and any other streaming services. Amazon's in the Amazon's mix. Amazon's in the mix. Anyway, Antonio Brown, uh, three touchdown receptions. Off 10 catches for a buck 44. Ben Roethlisberger threw four touchdowns without an interception. And the Steelers run away from the Tennessee Titans. A 40-17 to win at Heinz Field, improving the Steelers to 8-2 and and um, knocking down the Titans, uh, who fall to 6-4. and Their winning streak is over. Dan Hans is here along with Greg Rosenthal. The rest of the heroes coming up soon. But, Greg, we'll start here. This is the Steelers team. Everyone that says we want a real fight in the AFC. Yeah. This is the Steelers team that we saw tonight that can take down the Patriots. Yeah, you saw a little bit of everything in the Steelers because you saw the frustrating part of the Steelers in the first half where they couldn't move the ball and they didn't quite finish drives. And it was just a little disjointed, even though they had the lead. I mean, you look at the final score, it's 40-17. to It's easy to forget. This was a one-score game entering the fourth quarter. It would have been a two-point game entering the fourth quarter if not for Delaney Walker dropping a wide-open touchdown at the end killer. of the third quarter. So it was a competitive, interesting game for three quarters. But then the better team won. And the Steelers just have too much going for them. And the difference between the two halves is the offensive line for Pittsburgh, which has just been okay this year, not great, really took over in the second half, gave Ben a lot of time. He played outstanding. After halftime, 20 of 23 for 184 yards and three touchdowns. They just, they just had everything rolling. And you're right, when they're looking good, they have more talent, I think, than any team in the NFL. I think they're the most talented roster top-to-bottom offense, defense. And I I don't disagree with that at all. I, you've been saying uh, that the Steelers are the best team in the league, and I have been disagreeing with that, and a lot of people would disagree with you on sure, that. Sure, maybe they haven't played that way, but that's how I see right. it. Right. That's their ceiling, and and, and that's, that's what we saw in the second half. It was almost like, and I know Marcus Mariota, who, by the way, Titans, you know, come back to us, guys, uh, with the performance <laughs> Not a good tonight. day for them getting – you ri- getting rid of that moniker for right? Kansas. It's not going to happen. And uh, they he hits the deep touchdown pass that you heard. Uh, but after that, it kind of was like the Titans brought a knife to a gunfight. Like they got the they got the Steelers on notice with that touchdown. 
The Steelers go right back down the field, score another touchdown. Then Delaney, Delaney Walker makes that drop in the end zone. And at that point, the game's over. That's a four-point play, four-point drop, and then the Steelers just walk away with the game. And it just shows you, and I wrote about it this week, what happens when uh, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then you find a way to start um, getting the most out of or something out of Martavis Bryant, what can He's happen? in the mix a little bit. They have not game. scored 30 points all season until tonight, and that's a major disappointment. And then they drop a 40-burger and make you think, wow, what happens if they get it together for the back end of the well, season? Well, Schuster is such a difference maker. He made one of the key plays in the game, which was a third-down conversion, a very difficult catch, and he's made a lot of those difficult catches over the last few weeks. That kept the drive going where, where they finally finished the red zone drive. It was early in the second half. And the Titans at that point were playing them pretty even. I mean, the yardage was leaning towards the Titans because they were still in that game despite Mariota making two big mistakes with two interceptions uh, in the first half. And then he threw two more after halftime, so forget about it. But the reason why the Steelers are so talented because their defense can keep them in games like that. Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt were making plays. The secondary, even without Joe Hayden and Mike Mitchell, ended up having a, a very good night, and they were setting up the offense who just knocked it down. And, you know, not going to, like, t- turn this into a, a Mariota hate fest. Uh, but It was a terrible – it was a bad game. Actually, he showed a lot. He showed why you liked him, too. I mean, he had 10 yards per – Attempt and he had a lot of beautiful oh, you gems, see it there. but then uh, just the mistakes were. Too you bad. see it there. I just don't think he's there yet, and I don't think the Titans are there yet. And we saw. I think tonight was kind of a, a referendum on where they stack up right now. They're not even close uh, to beating a team like the Steelers on the road. Uh, I I don't. I still don't trust their coaching staff. I still think he'd be. I I don't know what their what their offense is trying to do, melding his college thing in the in the way it just doesn't yeah, I don't think it's working it and doesn't work the coaching stuff and the running games they're not getting much help from the running game uh and one uh, one more thing from me a uh, little shout out to Antonio Brown who we almost take for granted how incredibly productive he's been for the past what seven years or so now and a uh, good stat from Andrew Siciliano on Twitter he's 29 years old Brown uh, he already has more career receptions than 14 wide receivers and tight ends in the Hall of Fame. And, yes, the game's different now than it was wow. for a lot of those games in the Hall. But that's an incredible stat that just shows you how special this guy is. He is one of the greatest to ever play at the position. And I don't know if we quite give him enough credit yeah, for that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's not one where it's just stats. You just w- watch and you can see how he's the greatest. And his practice habits are legendary, very similar when you hear about him compared to Jerry Rice and some of the just the style and the play. I saw something. He's I know it's it's only fantasy, but he's the number one fantasy receiver in terms of points per reception. Four straight years. He's the number one, like one, one, right. one, one. He's the guy every single time. And it, and it is amazing. It's why I think you should be afraid of this team. That said, the Titans defense, I don't trust them at all. And they're they are a paper tiger six and four. And this is going to get on some radars in this room, I have a feeling, because mm. their schedule in the next four weeks is so easy. They'll probably win three of, out of those four. if they, they could even win all four. And so they'll have a good record, even though they haven't really shown that much. Um, yes. And Brown, helmet catch for Brown, too. That was cool. And one of the all-time bad beats in fantasy, if you have Le'Veon Bell on that <laughs> touchdown that got called back, and then you get buried with a play-action touchdown. Uh, to the tight end. Now, if you're a big band fantasy owner like Greg and I, it was We so enjoyed bad. it. That was nice. Okay. So, that's that game. Oh, I did lock it up. Greg. You locked it up. You um, got it. 
you know, after some of the bad blood between us on Tuesday, um, <laughs> I just want to say that now it does look like a really a huge mismatch. But at the time, the Titans were feeling good about themselves. But the Steelers said, you're hey, not in our class. I've picked some heavy favorites this year that have lost games. So at least you picked a, a favorite that won. All right, so there we go. Let's now move on to the rest of the show and preview the rest of the Week 11 games. Let's go, Tamposi! The Around the NFL podcast has 99 problems, but free agency ain't one. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling in a smoking jacket, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. It's a sweater. But doesn't <laughs> it look like doesn't it look like Wes could have a pipe sticking out of his mouth right now, and maybe a glass of scotch? I know he's not a, a brown booze drinker, but has that look, doesn't it? It's my Professor Wes outfit. Silk pajamas, maybe that whole thing. Got the glasses. If you just gather round, Wes is going to dispense <laughs> some football wisdom to all his subjects. Let him regale you around the hearth. <laughs> Usually a scientist. Today, Professor Wessling about to school everyone on the NFL in week 11. You heard at the top of the show, uh, Greg and I doing a little Titan Steelers chatter. But there's so much more to get to this week. Uh, week 11, here we are, uh, double-digit Weeks, Mark. You know it's almost over. You know you're on the beach in Cancun. You can see it now, can't you? Yeah, I don't think that we're anywhere close to that happening. Oh, okay. Twenty-eight still, week season a- starts it in the preseason. We're in week seventeen. I've done the math. There you go. We are. It is getting down. Some of these teams are starting to become massively irrelevant. I'm gonna try this. Usually, I like to look at it before, but I'm gonna hang some onion here. Four teams on by. <laughs> Thirty-two minus four is twenty-eight. 28 divided by 2 is 14. One game already played. 13 to talk about. Woo! Right? Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been that nervous. I what? can see the gear spinning <laughs> in your head. <laughs> <after you're> <laughs> Handle that with points. Out of the ears. Last bye weeks of the year. Is that it? Unfortunately, that's it this year. Hmm? Mark, another sign of you, Cancun spring break. Cancun doesn't really strike me as your ideal place to be spending. You also have, yeah, you have a very disjointed view of my bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I could see Mark maybe doing like um, hitting up like a college haunt to try to recapture Mm. the youth spark. Yeah, one of those vacations he takes by himself. I went to Cancun one time. You take some solo vacations. And maybe this is one of them where it's like all of a sudden you're with a bunch of 19-year-olds doing the beer bong and everything. Simone is extremely generous with the occasional solo trips. This would get red flagged immediately. I got arrested when I went to Cancun, by the way. For what? I uh, can't get into that right now, but it was it felt it felt wrong. It feels just, like it, it might was, be it murder. Was, it was unjust. I did actually. It was just the way that the cops worked down there. But I saw two or three things that I will never forget in Cancun. Let's leave it right there. Should we save it for the Cancun podcast? Yes. All right. Please. Let's stick a pin in it. Another reason to look forward to the offseason. But for now, let's uh, look ahead to all the games in week 11, Sunday and Monday. We're going to Mexico. Speaking of Cancun, we're going to Mexico this week, aren't we? We are. Correct. Do we have any Mexican listeners? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Plenty of them. All right. Everybody calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are speaking with authority on the issue. Uh, let's start, uh, though, in Chicago. The heart of America. 
right. Dan buying time as yeah. he folds the research packet. Oh, yeah. to the world. Right. That's their that's their tourism <laughs> part of America <laughs> motto. Right? Um, the heart of America. That's Chicago. Mid- that's middle America, right? Yeah. It's definitely it's, middle America. Yeah. That's the heart of America. Okay. You're correct, Dan. Yeah, you bleeding heart liberals. The heart of America is right in the middle. Okay, so why isn't Indianapolis <laughs> the heart of America? I don't know. Chicago is just more <laughs> the heart. Um, let's talk about the Lions. Detroit. Now there's an American city. Hardworking. The Detroit Lions are five and four, uh, coming off uh, back-to-back wins over the Packers and Browns. A bit of a scare against the Browns, but now they get the Bears on the road and uh, we'll start with Mark Sessler uh, Mark the the Bears they can't seem to get this offense going whether it's Mike Lennon or Mitchell Trubisky well yeah and I think they should have expected that to be the case when a John Fox is running the operation and has enough sway over the offensive coordinator to keep Trubisky completely clamped down for the first month of his career you saw him open it up a little bit last week but you're, you the good quarterbacks that are young that seem to, to grow have weapons around them Deshaun Watson had DeAndre Hopkins Carson Wentz takes a big leap Jared Goff does as well because they've surrounded those quarterbacks with appropriate talent in year two and Trubisky just has very little to work with when the running game is not working that's your hope this week the Browns ran for nearly 200 yards against the Lions one week ago, and maybe the Bears with Jordan Howard can hope for the same. I think you have to ask if the coaching staff is really doing Trubisky a favor when the Bears lead the NFL in negative rushing plays. Right. Is that really helping Mitch Trubisky? He had a lot of long yardage situations last week because of negative plays on running, because of a lot of pre-snap penalties. So that's just poor coaching and poor players. And then like their number one receiver is Dontrell Inman. This is a guy who essentially was given away to them and immediately comes in, and that's their number one receiver. It's like you're only going to be so good with that group. That said, they're playing Detroit, and I look at Detroit, and it's like what's their defensive identity? They don't really have one. When a 31-year-old safety, Glover Quinn, who's having a great season, is your best defensive player, it's like I, it wouldn't surprise me if they just are tougher than the Lions and you dial up one of those perfect John Fox game where it keeps it low scoring, and they do run for a lot. Chicago's defense has been for real. I mean, they, they've, they're generating turnovers, which is what you need for that offense to get try to put some, some you know, ball, ball control offense in theory with them. But I don't know. I, just, I look at this Lions team, and what depresses me is you are looking at Matthew Stafford's sexiest season. This guy has been mm. fantastic. And in other years, the Lions can hope to get into that last wild card spot at 9-7, and seven, not this time around in the top-heavy NFC. And Stafford's... Heroics are completely lost on this campaign. They they could definitely, I guess, you know, ask any Lions fan, they'll have regrets that they didn't maybe make the most of Barry Sanders. And now you have Matt Stafford there, and they continue to be a middling outfit. Some people that aren't as big a fan of Matt Stafford might say he's played a role role in that. But I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. And it does feel like, yes, they're on the outside looking in. It's going to be tough to get that wild card um, spot, and they're unlikely to win the division. Uh, but even if they made the playoffs, what's the ceiling with this team? Doesn't it feel like there's they really not a big difference between this year's team and last year's team? Exactly. And they, but the NFC is different, and that's why they're right. they're not good enough. Where I know their schedule's easy, but they're not good enough where I think they they win all the games they should, including maybe this this week. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the the Bears intercepted Stafford four times last year, only gave up one uh, touchdown to him. Like it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if the Bears end up winning this game. All right, let's move on. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they are now stacking wins. We talked about it last week. It's time to stack wins, and that's what they're doing. Three straight uh, after that uh, 
narrow victory over the Chargers uh, uh, at home. Now they travel to Cleveland, and the schedule says, hey, keep stacking wins, Jags. Chris Wessling, uh, the Browns, uh, showed some fight last week against Detroit, but on paper this is one of the bigger mismatches of the year, right? Yeah, I know a lot of people are looking for reasons for the Browns to pull off an upset here, <laughs> especially with Tashawn Gibson kind of needling the Browns and, and predicting an 0-16. That's season. on Mark's radar that they, they're not uh, expecting it's a, him. It, it, it's a, it, Cleveland has made their own. They've, they've made their own bet at this point. And I know people are talking about, oh, it's hard to beat the Browns because they are a top-half team in, in terms of total talent. I don't see that. I don't right. see them as top half in total talent. And I see a Jaguars team that is better in every single way and not by a little bit. This is a lopsided matchup. I expect the Jaguars defense to absolutely dominate the Browns offense in this game. I absolutely agree. You were talking about a team. Some of these defenses, they're better at home for some reason. They're not good on the road. The Jacksonville defense on the road has allowed a touchdown in three of 50 possessions, and they lead the league in turnovers on the road. And I think that you're going into a stadium that does not has not packed a punch or been tough to play in in two-plus decades. And Jacksonville, on, this, on the flip side, they're going to do enough on offense, and Cleveland turns the ball over more than any team in the league. I just don't think there's anything you can point to and say, oh, Cleveland's got some sort of Achilles heel they can pinpoint well, he, with the Jaguars. I agree with that. Well, the one thing, portals, but... The, right. I don't know. Not right, lately. Greg. Last week, I mean, he, he did everything possible to give that game away. The only reason that they won is because a guy dropped a pick six and because the Chargers couldn't get a first down, or else the, the narrative all week would be Blake Bortles blew it because he did blow it. Well, his, the game will need to be 6-6 six to six for that to be right. the case. The, the case could be that Deshaun Kaiser is coming off by far his best game, and I know he's not playing the Lions again this week, but he played a great game. I thought they simplified things. He, he – it, it's – it shows how cursed their season is, is that the game is tied and he goes out with an injury and he comes back in and they're down whatever it was, 14 right. points. It's like he played by far the best three quarters of his life. That was kind of what we saw I, that we got excited about. I agree with you on that, that he played. I texted Mark about that last night because it made me think after watching it that whatever Tayshawn Gibson says, I think the Browns will find a way to win a game because they already showed last week that they could put together some stretches of play and they'll steal one. I don't, I don't think they're, this has been a cursed season. I think they very much have earned this record personally. But I think, Kaiser, you see what had everybody so excited in August in flashes. You see it a little bit here and there. And I think I mean, you saw it the whole game last he, week. He played a good game. What they have done in the last couple of weeks, which I think they should have done from the beginning, is allow Duke Johnson more carries out of the backfield. They do get Corey Coleman back. I still don't like the matchup for Cleveland. Right. I mean, this is it's uncanny how every pickup the Jaguars had is working. It's not just Calais Campbell, who's in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. It's Barry Church. It's A.J. Bouye. Like, everyone yeah. they pick up has been good. Calais Campbell wouldn't even be my top pick for Defensive Player of the Year on that defense. Jalen Ramsey would be. That's fair. And I, to complete a pass against this defense is one of the hardest things to do. It shouldn't be that hard to complete one pass, but the Jaguars' defense is incredible. And for all the Deshaun Kaiser love that he's getting in this room right now. It was right, one week. It was one week. One how, many, well. how many times has he been benched and he still leads the NFL in interceptions? Oh, I know. I'm just saying he had, he's had a miserable season. That one game was so far better than any other game he's had. Um, and the ja after watching the game last night, I sent out a tweet. Jaguars, I'll give some. I'll give the Jaguars fans some love for an expansion franchise, yes. um, and, and for a, a fan base that went through years and years of ugly, ugly seasons under Gus Bradley and before that even. Uh, they're really passionate way into it. So when I'm watching that game and I'm seeing Blake Bortles self-destructing in the fourth quarter of that game and they still survive, what I tweeted was. 
doesn't it still feel like wild card weekend Blake Bortles is going to break the heart of the Jaguars? And I, I think they're going to get to the playoffs, and they're in a good, great position, obviously, if they beat the Browns to get there. But I still feel like this guy is going to kill them, and that will probably be the impetus for change. They go into the offseason. went after you or something? Or what? Yeah, there were some. So a lot of people agreed they were outside Jags Nation. or the. Club they they go into the offseason. They absolutely will find I, a different I'll give them a little love after the – direct they've seen for the last five or six years they have a home field advantage that crowd has been going nuts this it's a good season, fan base. Uh, especially in that last game at Everbank. so they're excited let them be excited let's um should we let's do it let's let them be excited <laughs> it's I'm official trying to say it. i like i like that the the jaguars hasn't killed their spirit over the last decade, one guy which even, it has with some fan bases and a grain of salt because his name was like psycho jags fan some guy on twitter was like <laughs> when i when i went back and forth with him a little bit on the topic he was like uh, talk to me in January. I, like, okay, I, I believe I will. I've had a run-in with him as well. I, I, I saved that tweet. I'm and sure we Wes and I have blocked him. Oh, yeah, he's gone. All right, moving on. The Baltimore Ravens uh, are four and five uh, coming out of a bye week. Uh, they have a pulse in the AFC because of that number six playoff spot is wide open right now. And now they get what looked like probably a, a terrible matchup for them, Greg, uh, a couple of months ago. Now they get to go on the road and face uh, our boy Brett Hundley. Hundley did some things last week, but speaking of Deshaun Kaiser, maybe getting too much love in this room. Maybe there's a little bit too much love for Brett Hundley's performance last week. Yeah, I, yeah. I heard a lot about, okay, breakout game for Hundley. He finally showed up. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's watch this. He had two throws in that game. Two really good throws, which helped him win the game. And for a young quarterback, he deserves credit for that. And that's fine. But otherwise, it looked like the same Brett Hundley that we've seen. And this time, I know the Bears' defense is solid, but they did a good job protecting Hundley, and the secondary in Chicago is not too great. This is a much, much different story. I respect this Ravens' defense. John Harbaugh quietly has one of the, the best records coming off a of bye. Usually don't put too much into that stuff. But you love your some John it's, Harbaugh. It's something really like good. 12 and 4. I trust this coaching staff to improve this team, and this matchup for Hundley and the Packers' offense is dreadful. I can't see them scoring. I just look at the game like this, and it's just you pick the best unit, and there was one, it's Baltimore's defense by far in this game. And I look at Green Bay and say, you don't have Aaron Jones anymore. He's out for, what, three-plus weeks. And I, Green Bay, to me, it's, it's, they, have, they haven't missed the playoffs since 2008. Well, you're going to miss it this time. I better yeah. hope so. We, we uh, already forked them at five. I don't, think they're even, I don't think that's on their radar, but potentially. It's on the, it's on the board, on their refrigerator in the break room. Dan, I, I heard you kind of wondering a couple of podcasts ago, like, what's what's where's Joe Flacco at in his career now? I'd done a deep dive study mm. on him. Ooh, Professor Wessling puts down the pipe and gets to work. <laughs> Joe Flacco, remember when he came into the league <laughs> and he was kind of sneaky athletic? He'd take off running and he looked yeah. like Forrest Gump, but he would get away from pressure. <laughs> He's not that guy anymore since the ACL and the back injury. He now has the skill set of your average Osweiler, Oof. Savage, Mettenberger, mm. Whedon. He's a statue in the pocket. He's mechanical. He d there's no kind of, like, uh, improvisation to his game whatsoever. And if you let him sit back there and throw behind a great offensive line with receivers who can get open, he can still hurt you. But he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league now, and it's because he, he doesn't move. I do wonder, though, do you think that this, this season specifically, like, the – 
We never really heard that the back was completely healthy. The it back seemed, it seemed the obvious. Probably not. And remember when Romo was dealing with that, that he just he he looked like a completely different athlete. And do we get a better Joe Flacco next season? I, I'm not it's arguing a, that we do, but it just seems like he'd be healthy. Back injuries, if you follow sports, are devastating. My yeah. boyhood hero, Don Mattingly, never the same. Larry Bird, it ended his career. He's an all-time legend. Tony Romo jacked up his career. Sometimes you just don't get back from the, that. The last game before the bye. Pardon the pun, Greg, because <laughs> yeah. I said back. <laughs> The last game before the bye, they're on. They're having third and ten, third and longs, where he's just throwing one yard passes right away. He's not even holding the ball and waiting to see if someone comes, no. comes up. But it's just like let's let's throw a dink and dunk right away. This is a guy with the one of the biggest arms in the league. It's tough to watch. Well, the coaching staff has to have a quick strike offense because he can't get out of the way of pressure, and he gets rid of the ball because he doesn't mm. want to get hit. And yet, when when I look at this game, I do think maybe they'll open it up. He's been asking for it. And they are a little healthier. Maybe they get Danny Woodhead back. And, Jeremy Macklin's and back. one underrated aspect here that you guys haven't considered are the mm. fo- the football gods, because mm. unfortunately the Flex Nola movement was not successful. I consider it successful. Had over three thousand retweets, ten thousand likes. You know, lots of hashtag Flex. Great humble bragging here, Greg. I Saint, like it. Saints Rams was not moved to Sunday night. They're going to keep Brett Hundley and the Packers, and the football gods aren't going to like this, keeping Brett Hundley in half in in <laughs> prime time. And so they're going to make the Packers lose by a like ton it. this week and have that Sunday night game be a, go- a dog, and that's why I'm locking this up. Whoa! I like that. I assume that Greg Greg has lived a life where the football gods smile on on him and his activity. You hear that? That's the I've, football gods. Now I have a it's completely different Lambo. view of the football gods. The football gods do not seem uh, kind spirited in my in my worldview. Uh, me either, Mark. Uh, you know, that's Erica Tamposi behind the glass filling in for the great Lindsay Fulton. What's up, Erica? Loose cannon. A loose cannon. A little under the weather. Hey. You doing okay? Doing okay. Erica's doing amazing work on the NFL Pick'em Show. Uh, week after week, you got to check it out. It's on three times a weekend, maybe four. four, four, four times early. Check your local listings, but definitely on first thing Sunday morning. You would think we would have the times. But it gets better with that third and fourth watch. <laughs> you got to watch all. It really, it really episode. does. Well, if you, you should come by Fridays when we have to watch the show forty times down. Uh, before it gets sent out. You really love it then. Hard pass. <laughs> um, let's move on. Uh, here's a bummer of the game, Mark Sessler. The Arizona Cardinals, 4-5, and five, couldn't figure out a way to beat the Seahawks last Thursday night, and now they go to Houston to face the 3-6 and six Texans, two teams that had a chance, if only speaking of those football gods, decided not to wipe away many of their premium players to injury. Yeah, I was thinking about this game yesterday, and it uh, – brings to mind another concept of a rule change that would benefit fans and really all humans. Uh, well, I, would, I would set this game at this point in the season to two 20-minute running halves. The clock runs, mm. okay? I and like this. This, is out in t- this is the Texans fans. You're out, mm. you're out in the middle of Texas. You put a nice big country music venue at halftime. Let them have a great concert sandwich with two very quick 20-minute running halves where you get this football product off the field and right. you move on to next Maybe week. Maybe like a Brooks and Dunn Darius Sure. Rucker I don't know the names of any of them. Now, yeah. If I'm Bruce Arians, I'm thinking, hey, we're four and five. This could be my last year as a coach. Feels like that's short-changing him and his potential, you know. Well, your little, your little football gods want, want good football, <laughs> according to you, so they don't want this game. Others would say it's massively disrespectful to the players and, and the game itself. I'm I didn't just, say I'm it was a rock-solid theory. Okay. Devil's advocate here. I like it, though. 
We should mention. Especially if we can get Brooks and Dunn involved. Well, we Brooks might. Skirt boogie. <laughs> we might have Blaine Gabbard involved. Looks like Blaine Gabbard's going to be starting an NFL. Is anybody Shouldn't surprised? he have started over Drew Stanton yeah. from the beginning? What were they doing well, here? Well, this week, Stanton's bad enough when he's healthy. Why do you want to try to play him with a bum knee? Right. Is that Arians being too loyal to Stanton? I, I feel you put the Cardinals at a disadvantage by not putting the much more athletic Blaine Gabbard, who he called a future starter in a high-ceiling quarterback. Although, for the criticism, Arians, Stanton was not okay. he. Stanton was not terrible against the he's, Seahawks. He was okay. Yes, he's he got was. some Kaepernick in him where he only has one speed on his throws. They, they where also, are the touch pass? I think that's a totally different game if he hits a few throws and he couldn't hit. A, he couldn't hit throws. I guess I have such low expectations. Mm. Like I, he's the bet. Whoever starts for the Cardinals is better than the Texans starter. And the Cardinals have been very unlucky. They lost DJ Humphreys, who has been playing pretty well for limit left tackle. He's, they lost Tyvon Branch for the season, who's been playing very well, probably better than Honey Badger at safety. So it's it's not even just Carson Palmer. They've had a lot of injuries. I thought it was interesting to hear Rap Sheet say that people around the league are excited to watch Blaine Gabbard in this offense because of how he did in the preseason and Bruce Arians' reputation with quarterbacks that they think he might be salvageable. Right. We'll see. One quick thing on... Um, kind of all set with Blaine Gabbard personally, but I, maybe I, you know what? He you know, he had some flashes with the Niners too on a really bad team. I know, I've heard of all about all that right. too. All right, we we won't we won't. Tom Savage <laughs> last week, two picks and two lost fumbles. Okay, he blew the team up, and this is not count the fact that he had a pick six called back by penalty, and he almost threw another pick six. How? Poorly can you play at quarterback after spending an entire summer hearing that Tom Savage was the answer for this team? That's what they were saying about their own team. That is hideous. You're so mad. Get you. I just don't. I cannot do the Tom Savage experience anymore. No, everybody. Everybody's. I think. I think we're with you. I think Texans fans are 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 with you. Everyone's on the same page with Tom. No more mini camp and OTA. Thank you over quarterbacks who've never been good. Thank you. I feel like that's our, our our biggest takeaway from this season, and this is like the fifth season we've done the show together is we're not working in July and August <laughs> this year. We're just not. And we're going to talk to the shadowy league figures. August. We it's get not to the preseason. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Especially the preseason. You know what I see happening? I'll see we will be one. working and we will fall for all these narratives once again. <laughs> Let's <laughs> we have no choice. It's it's part of the paycheck is to write about it. Let's move on. Uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, beat the Jets, but they still stink. They're three and six. Fourth in the NFC South. That's the last place they travel uh, to Miami to face the Dolphins, who are um, riding a three-game losing streak. Actually, while we're here. Stick a fork in them. It's time to add to the list of the doomed. The Miami Dolphins. The New York Giants. <laughs> The Dunver Bancos. Dunver. <laughs> Add them to the list. I think we're up to 13. The, the, we, we are saying that the Dolphins, Broncos, and Jets have no chance of making the playoffs. The fork is in their back. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miami. Somehow 4-5, and five, and yet dead last in the Football Outsiders metrics behind Where they belong. Win- That's behind a, a winless team. That's tough to do. <laughs> and the other teams, just if you're tracking at home, stick a fork in them. We write off teams. No chance of making playoffs. If we get one wrong, or more than one wrong, we'll make a donation to the city where that team plays. So these three teams join the Browns, Niners, Giants, Colts, Bucks, Bears, Texans, mm. Bengals, and Packers. And it's funny because this matchup is so bad that 
I guess no one would be shocked if Miami won. Look at this song take off. I would be shocked. You would be? This team is terrible. I, I would be surprised, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's the other quarterback. You the know. Dolphins are offensive to football. Well, I, I feel like the same way about the Bucks. honestly. this Where we thought Tampa Bay would be, and Miami coming off a playoff season, this has to be two of the most disappointing teams you could possibly conjure up. Tampa Bay coming out of hard knocks. We're yeah. talking about them as winning the NFC South. They are like the third, fourth worst team in football right now. It occurred to me that we probably haven't said one nice thing about the Buccaneers in many weeks. Okay. So I've got two. I've got two nice things. Levante David. It seems like he kind of went away for a few years as like, this is the guy, uh, outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's back. And then Chris Godwin. I love this wide receiver. I think he is going to be a legit, like, good NFL starter from what he's shown. they got to get him on the field more. Uh, and one, my one last thought, and it's a very heavy charge to throw, and, you know, we're on the outside, so I'm not going to say this is the truth. Kind of look like the Dolphins quit a little bit on Monday night. Well, how could that be? Because they traded Jay Ajayi away to send a message. <laughs> <laughs> well, and too much, I was that's the second part of my point, Wes, and that's it's very great that you brought that up because, you know, when you got a head coach like Adam Gase, you kind of like, oh, I, I admire his moxie. He's not afraid to stick it to his guys even in a press conference. Like, I wonder if that act gets tired after a while. And what do you what do you say when you're teeing off on the guys when you're three and two or whatever? What do you say when the season's now actually floating away and it doesn't look like the effort's there? I wonder if he's sneaky, as Heine is a little getting warm, if this mm. season continues to devolve. I feel like Ajayi, when, when he was playing well, and it was more last year than this year, was the identity of that offense. And they are an offense you cannot find any sort of DNA, any identity to Miami. They're impossible to watch. You know who's happy? Ryan Tannehill, because he's probably, right. probably going to stay there now, right? After the performance from Cutler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. The... Oh, the team of around the NFL. Team of ATL. And we bad job by us. They're they're playing great, the Rams right now. Uh, and we didn't even call it out after their absolute uh, latest uh, destruction of a team against the Texans last week. So let's shout out to the Rams who are doing great. I think they're like four and one now since being named the team of ATL. Now they travel. This is where it gets real. With Greg. some blowouts, too. I mean, we're just taking these Rams blowouts for granted. Look at this. Since they were named the team of ATL, they lost 16-10 the first week and, you know, a little team of AT hell sniff going on. They were under pressure. Well, I took offense to that. But since then, 27-17 over the, Texan, over the Jaguars. At Jacksonville. At Jacksonville. 33-zip against the Cardinals. Went to their bye. Came out of their bye. Dropped a 50-burger on the Giants in the Meadowlands. And 33-7 over the Texans, and now they get, Greg, the Vikings. So a matchup of two 7-2 and two teams. I'll start with this question, Greg. Jared Goff, um, obviously a distant in the MVP race, uh, third place, I would say, fourth place, wherever you what? want to put him. I would not put him in the top 20. I wouldn't that's... even put him first on his team. Yeah, oh. I wouldn't either. All right. I'm just saying, that's Stand my down. personal. Just my way of getting into it. Yeah, baby. Jared, all right. I mean, he's on pace it's, it's for like comeback player of the year. Man. It's a tough assignment, uh, Dan. To yeah. be, you know, throwing this out. Scientist, scientist. I apologize. Throw all of his MVP love into the Sean McVay for Coach of the Year bucket. Yeah, okay. Okay. Fine. I you want to you get after Gurley? I'm not really into that either, but I'll take it. Uh, can I apologize? <laughs> I apologize. Anyway, Jared Goff is having a really, really nice season. He is. And now here's a really, really big test against the Vikings on the road. Yeah. We and. I think we talked about it on the last show that they're playing f- the four basically next best teams in the NFC. They are the center of the NFL world, and 
I think Sam Farmer, the uh, dean of Los Angeles football scribes out here, pointed out, like, who would have thought a year ago Case Keenum versus Jared Goff is the is the game of the week. <laughs> a year ago at this time, we're talking about that as a possible quarterback change and everything's a disaster. And Goff is a guy who's doing everything that they're asking. He has a couple you know, moments each week. And the question kind of I'm looking at with this game is if they really get pressure on him, if that front four for Minnesota, which has been so good, and they think they're getting Everson Griffin back this week, gets pressure on him, how does he respond? Because by the numbers, under pressure, he's actually has one of the lowest completion percentage and some of the worst numbers in the league under pressure. And so that, to me, is the key for Minnesota. I well, I said this last week. He's throwing into the biggest windows in football, thanks to Sean McVay and his play calling and his route concepts. He Before this three-game jaunt against bad teams, he had gone four straight games under 60% completion rate. I like what Jared Goff's doing. He's hitting some deep throws really well, too. But, beauty, beauty. But he's not throw. playing at a level at, like MVP quarterback. No, I think he's a second-year quarterback who's playing that sort of role where you're making sure he gets all the support. That's called great coaching. It's it nothing is. against Goff. Well, and we <clears throat> and we spent the, the big chunk of the offseason always asking, what is it we'd need to see from Goff to be impressed by his second campaign? And he's done that, no questions. I look at a guy like Les Snead. There are other general managers around the league that right now are attached to coaching staffs or issues in general where they're embattled and you're wondering if they're going to be out of a job soon. It is worthwhile taking a look at what he's done. The courage uh, that he he's lucky he kept the job, number one. But when you get rid of this whole Jeff Fisher experience, you hire what looks like in Sean McVay, not just a coach of the year, but maybe someone with what we've seen so far that could be there for 15 years plus. Really? And you have a quarterback that you can pair with him. The franchise. A little bit of a Sean the, Payton vibe. Well, the energy has a completely different feel around this team that a year ago was unwatchable. The idea that Rams, Vikings, and for all the teams that I know I dump on a bunch of these teams at this point because I don't believe in them, the NFC has been a delight. It's tw- it's it's morphed into a fascinating conference to watch, and you got to ride with it. And they announced since we last recorded that what, Case who's Keenum. They? Who's they? Mike, oh, Go Mike down. Zimmer. Good point. The Vikings and Mike Zimmer announced that Case Keenum's going to be the starter. Pronoun alert. There was a report from Jay Glazer that the t- Vikings were very tempted to go with Bridgewater, and we've gone through that. We've? This show has gone through this enough. <laughs> I think the I'll Bridgewater-Keenum debate, we can talk about that another time. I, I didn't get to voice my opinion. on But let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, we have a little insider on insider crime here because Uh-oh. Jay Glazer reported the Vikings see Teddy as the franchise, and they were tempted to play him. Rap Sheet reported his sources say they were never seriously tempted to mm. play Teddy, that Keenum is simply playing too well. He's earned a longer rope, and it doesn't make sense now to even think about turning to Teddy. I, I, I think th- that's right. To that point, the Glazer tweet specifically got on my radar a little bit yesterday, and I, I am not against Teddy Bridgewater, but sometimes when I see something like that, he, Glazer's wording was, he is the franchise, blah, blah, blah. Did I miss the Teddy Bridgewater breakout season before the knee injury where it was like, oh, this guy is the future for them? Because I know he made plays. No, but they... And, well, let me finish. He made plays, and he's a guy that there's a lot of hope around him. But that's why I was really struck by that tweet specifically. I was like, don't we need to see how this guy looks? Yes, but we haven't seen it. But they're the ones that drafted him. And they have the... Be- they, the games, be- they believed he was the franchise. He was a top... For instance, his rookie year, he finished in the top 20 in my QB index. Like, if you're a rookie, that's very that's very on point with Mariota and Winston and a lot of young 
quarterbacks, like for a rookie year that was solid. Second year was a little more mixed, but they believe in him. And I think the main thing is they look at this coaching staff and they look at this offensive line, which is playing so well this year, protecting Keenum. They look at the best wide receiver duo in the league, and I think they think it's a different team around the That's quarterback you have to and stay that with they Keenum. believe. I totally agree. We have, yeah. Because right now you don't need a brilliant quarterback to operate this offense, but you can't have an implosion. You can't, and no matter well, case what. Case imploded last week. Again, if their defense case didn't did not pick, implode last he week. threw what could have been a pick six in the first half, and he threw two of the worst interceptions while leading late in the game. He was is, just named is, the FedEx Air Player of the Week about 12 minutes he didn't ago. Implode. It doesn't matter. It was a Cardinal City. Those, those were Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown types of throws. And they and still won, admitted. and they still yeah. and they still piled up yards and piled up points. Right. That's a quarterback's job. The thing is, you, you know this coaching staff sees Teddy in practice all the time. I don't care. Right. Nobody, not even Teddy Bridgewater, knows how he's going to react coming off the most devastating injury in the history of quarterback play. Nobody knows. He doesn't know how when Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn sandwich him, how he's going to react. He no. doesn't know how he's going to, how his psyche is going to be in the face of. Pressure. I think it'll take care of itself. Exactly. Naturally. Let let and that the coaching staff dodged a bullet by let let Kay, if you if you think a case Keenum is is going to implode week after week. I'm not I saying don't. you are, Greg. I'm not saying you are. But if that's the case, there's going to be a natural door opening to bring in right. Teddy Bridgewater. Right. But don't force it after what just happened. He he's he's done as much as you could have ever asked. I case totally Keenum agree. To I I just think if you really are watching his last four or five games, intercept, we get it. We interception get it. We every get single it. week. We I don't think it. he's played as well the last four or five as he, as he did. Again, it's Case Keenum, and you couldn't have asked the guy to do any. More at this point. Um, two quick thoughts, Wes. Uh, Joe Theismann would like a word with you from the worst quarterback injury ever. Just saying, he wants to talk to you personally. Well, I okay, that's that's fair, but I think Teddy's. But I get it. I know what you're saying. And he'll talk like it'll be like Theismann wants to talk to you. It'll be a 45 well, we minute conversation Teddy's. where you don't get a word in. I, I don't speak to Theismann. <laughs> I don't write any stories with base with beat writers basing it off of Theismann's comments. He doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me. And Greg, FedEx Air and Ground. I don't think it was one of his better games of the year. I really don't. But you, if are you we going talk, up against FedEx, big FedEx? I am. I'm. I think he had a. He has like Adam Thielen making crazy. But oh, he I think well. It, what it tells you there wasn't a lot Let's to pick, pick from last game. week. Let's pick this game. I was gonna lock this up, but I thought the God smiting thing would be more fun. But I think the Rams <laughs> are gonna win this game. I think they're the more complete team. They're better on special teams. They're better on defense overall. I like the Rams better. What do we think? I'm gonna go Vikings. Mm. I'm going Vikings. I respect them in their building, and I think the Rams have, you know, it's great that they've been pummeling bad teams because that's often a more accurate sign of how good you are than winning close games against good teams. But this is this is a lot different opponent than they're used to facing. Lately. Yeah, I like the Vikings at home, and I think wow. it comes down to earth a little bit. Hmm. I, think he takes, I think it's going to be a rough day for Jared Goff. I think both Rams. quarterbacks could struggle in this game for sure. And now a read from one of our sponsors, and you know who it is, Home Depot Husky Tools. They say in life there are no guarantees. They say there's no sure thing. Well, I'm here to tell you there might be just one exception. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things, and they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills, and making tools that stood the tests of time. 93 years later, Husky is still making quality-crafted, durable tools. Oh, amazing. They stand by them, too. Lifetime warranty. You got the Husky Ratchet, that 100 position uh, ratcheting design, 10% longer hand, longer handle, 10%, just that amount. It's good. It makes a big difference uh, than standard ratchets. They do what other ratchets can't. 
uh, or the virtually unbreakable Husky flashlight with the ability to withstand a 30-foot drop and work in up to one meter of water submersion. Someone on Twitter told me uh, when I called out the one meter thing, like why isn't it whatever the conversion in feet is? turns out that uh, they measure water depth in meters. So there you go. Learning stuff here. Both guaranteed for a lifetime, but built so you won't need it. Now that's a pretty sure thing to Husky. That's common sense. Learn more at www.huskytools.com. Husky, common sense tools since 1924 with hand tools guaranteed for a lifetime found only at the Home Depot. Uh, let's move on. The Washington Redskins are 4-5 and five, uh, coming off a loss to those Vikings, and now they travel to face... The Saints. Oh, my goodness, Mark Sessler. The Saints playing better than anyone in football right now. Speaking, you want to go down the ledger. It is a five-game winning streak, uh, seven-game winning streak, excuse me, for the Saints. Uh, during that streak, 34-13, 20-zip, 52-38, to 20-12, 30-10, and now the Redskins have to go to the Superdome. Look out. What the Saints did last week and then what the Panthers did did their best on Monday night to kind of outshine what New Orleans did one day earlier. Outshine! Is the the most exciting thing, I think, in the NFL right now. Time to shine! I love this kind of football because I I don't – I get it, the 400 yards passing, all the – that's nice. But I love watching teams that can run the ball. And the Saints, Dan, you tweeted about it yesterday, and everyone saw it against the Bills – the way, they, the way they dominated on the ground was the kind of way that when you would play Madden against like your brother when you were young and you were just better than him or you were playing some friend or you are getting dominated yourself by someone and they're just running over you and it's embarrassing. Let me, That's how this looked. Let me go through that drive. I tweeted it out. It was the most – and, Wes, I, this is the first game I watched. Based on what you were saying, Same. I was just morbidly curious about this game and it lived up to the hype. The most soul-crushing drive that I saw er- – all year was in the third quarter. Saints 10, 10 plays, 94 yards, all runs. Ingram for 11, Kamara for 10, Zach Line for 9. When Zach Line's goosing <laughs> you up the middle, you're in trouble. Mark Ingram for 9, Kamara for 15, Kamara for 11, Kamara for 11, Ingram for 5. What's his problem? Kamara for 6, <laughs> and then Drew Brees scrambles into the end zone. 94 yards, all runs, and I, like I said on Sunday, I don't even think the Bills quit in that game. I think they just were punished till there was nothing left, grounded to chalk by the Saints. I consider this game unlockable because the Saints are too good right now. Yeah. I, I don't think the Redskins can hang with them. The Saints are going to put it on them. They're playing it. They return home to their home field advantage, and I think they can run on anyone. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence. That's the first time last week that their offensive line has been all healthy and yeah. together in a little while, and then they come out with that performance, which was like it was about as close to the platonic ideal of like old school football as you really could possibly get. And now they play a Redskins team who aren't playing as tough on defense, who made Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon as a ground game look pretty just, good. And Latavius Murray's ugly. just kind of getting what's blocked. Yeah. So if Latavius Murray's running on you with pretty big holes, I think you're in trouble playing this. It's, it's fascinating to me that Michael Thomas – and Brandon Coleman on this team, and and Ted Ginn, that you kind of forget about these guys oh, yeah. in some case because of the way this I, offense is. Every other Saints year, these guys would have each been vying for a thousand yards. We'd be talking about two thousand yard receivers versus Kamara and Ingram are about to become the first backs if they keep this up to surpass fourteen hundred total yards each since the only other duo ever, Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner, did it in nineteen eighty five. For who, Mark? 
the Browns when oh, they were an actual football team. I knew you were going to get that stat in there, and you deserve it. <laughs> we sh- we should mention Rob <laughs> Kelly. A big deal when it happened back. Oh then. man! Yeah. Oh yeah, for Fat, sure. Fat Rob is out for the season officially for the Redskins. It's been a little. Un- I think his loss has been a big problem for them because they have not been able to replace him and they really don't have a running game. And your boy, Kirk Cousins, is playing tough. I will admit he's playing about he's as well. He's making the throws. The receivers aren't right. catching He's him. playing as well in the you circumstances. Like he's playing tough this year. I think he's making those throws. And they've had short yardage running issues all year long that's killed them on third and one and fourth and one. That is a problem because they want to play that tough kind of football and they can't do it. Uh, here's a team, Wes, that's in a really good spot heading into week 11, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, they're playing not too well right still now. Still in the league? They're Feels still like they here. they played in a month. Yeah, they, they've lost three out of four uh, to Pittsburgh, Oakland, and Dallas, beating Denver, the only win in that stretch. Uh, but now they're coming off a bye to regroup a little bit. We all know Andy Reid kicks ass coming off byes. And where do they get to go? They get to go to the Jersey Meadowlands to face the Giants, who look just about as bad as anyone in football right now. This is not a lockable game. No, it's not. And I feel like people are kind of. <laughs> well, if you lock the Giants, that would be allowed. That would be ballsy. People that are kind of sleeping on the Chiefs at this point. That they, Everybody considered them the best team in the league a month ago, and now nobody considers them like on the Patriots level or the Steelers level in the AFC. To me, they're right there still. Mm. A- and they had a close loss to the Raiders. They, you know, they, they scared the Steelers a little bit in the fourth quarter. And then the Cowboys beat them, you know, a little comfortably. But I, I still think the Chiefs are right there with anyone. They're they're the best scheme team in the league. And I think some weeks, some weeks it doesn't – you're not hitting all your schemed up plays quite as perfectly. And then you end up on, in a game like Dallas where their offense really wasn't, wasn't that great. But if you could pick an, a defense to play against, like the Giants are it. Like it takes communication – and discipline to play the Chiefs or else they're going to burn you for big plays because they're going to confuse you. And the Giants are the least disciplined, most easily confused, worst communicating defense in football. This could be a 50-burger. I wish we could lock up a 50-burger. It's like a terrible was... matchup Whoa. for the Giants. That like was the, would you like to? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I have okay. my lock is out there, and I'm happy with right. it. So I'm going to stick with Greg it. Greg attempting once again to double lock or <laughs> I mean, triple I lock or quadruple if, lock. If that, if that yeah. is allowed in future weeks, it does open up things. I, I would like ah. to lock you up You could lock things that have things. nothing to yeah. do with football potential. Well, yeah. You're, you're not clearly wins. trying to be an agent of chaos. <laughs> Let's I, be honest. Yeah, I am the Trump administration <laughs> of this podcast. A really, really good block. That's my Trump. Not getting better. Mm. My Trump's no. not getting better. No, it's it's actually going in the wrong direction. Uh, by the way, Ben McAdoo, we don't talk about the Giants too much, but now he has the, quote, brutally honest meeting with the Giants six weeks ago. He I came out of that know. saying how well it went, and then Dominique rogers Cromartie, his quote was more like, <laughs> all right, well, at least he finally did it. It's like, yeah, you're right. It should have happened when the, when the ugliness began, which was around week two. Does uh, anybody else have a bad feeling about this organization not understanding that they need to move on from Eli Manning to the end of the year? That they're so loyal to him, and they're talking about building statues, and really? we can't trade Eli. He's, I will say he's, he's been a little better this year, I think, than last year, which is weird because their record's so much worse. He's well, been a little he better. he was terrible last year. Yeah, well. well, they'll have a top-five pick, and a lot can happen with the quarterback position in the draft between now and then. If they, if they, if they overlook the position when there's someone sitting there for them, then I'd be very I was going to say, there was also a report out there that they are, if they're not at the top of the draft, that they would be very anxious to trade up into. So I think something could be cooking. I – Really, 
I don't think there's any chance he gets benched because of the consecutive game streak and what he means to the franchise. Why would you bench him for Gino? As much as I like right. Gino, what's the point? Well, yeah, there's the other kid there too. But I, I, I kind of think it's a coin flip that he's playing his final games as a Giant. I think this could be over for him, hmm. which would probably be best for all you. parties. Yeah. Let's face it. Uh, let's move on. The Buffalo Bills. Uh, speaking of a team that can't figure out its quarterback situation, they benched Tyrod Taylor on Wednesday morning. Uh, Sean McDermott announces for fifth round pick Nate Peterman. And um, I think a lot of people in the football cognoscenti, myself included, threw a tweet out there like, what the hell is going on? And I was surprised by my mention. I started getting pelt- pelted by the Bills Mafia, uh, by people saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. This is the problem of the national media. The, these I, are the does- same brainwashed folks that were defending every move Doug Whaley made for four years. Tyrod right? Taylor is just – I don't know if it's a, a, a vocal minority, but Tyrod Taylor is not a, a popular guy, at least in my Twitter feed. He's out there, out of there. Nate Peterman's in to face the Chargers, Greg, one of the best pass rushers in, in the league. By the way, the Bills – Technically, right now, are the sixth uh, and final playoff spot that's, in the AFC. That's why I hate this move. If they were three and six, whatever. This is the guy you drafted. You like him, even though it's not Tyrod Taylor's fault on offense. Fine, he's not your future. I get it. A, a playoff appearance would be absolutely special for the Buffalo region, clinching that game that gets you to the playoffs. It's been 17 years, and Tyrod Taylor, I just can't believe the fact that Nathan Peterman gives you a better chance to make the playoffs than Tyrod Taylor. I just don't believe it. He's a mid-level starting veteran quarterback. Peterman is – I just can't believe it. Is it the, like the titanic level of thrashing they took by New Orleans that made this decision happen sooner? You hope not. Bro- they, I, broke I wonder, they broke their spirit. They I feel like everything. that game, it was, it was, it was you know – Sean McDermott at, at one point looked at as sort of a coach of the year candidate, and Sean Payton said, uh-uh, I'm the better Sean. In fact, you may even be the third best Sean coaching it was a Sean sh- McDermott. It was, it was a, a Sean-off. Sean-off. And it went call, poorly for you, Buffalo. Well, that was you the, pronounce it Sean? I Sean. Sean. Well, another reason why that Saints-Rams I, I like to use the pronoun Sean. We, we don't like pronouns around here. <laughs> How do you guys pronounce Sean? Sean. Sean. Huh? Sean. Greg? Sean. Huh? Sean. It's like John with it. What about what about the uh, the What is this? Well, they all Vermont sound the girl. same to me. Sean. What's happening here? Sean. 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 Not and Posty's like, please move on. I mean, it's another reason why Ra- Ram Saints should have been flexed. That's the ultimate Sean off title. That's the Sean off one A. Sean. So Tyrod Taylor, since he <laughs> took over as a starting quarterback in Greg Roman's offense, 2015, he had an MCL injury in, I believe, October, and they let it leak to rap sheet that E.J. Manuel could take the job. The next year – There's they, 20 touchdowns and six interceptions that year, by the way. The, okay. the same exact pace that he's on this year. The next year with a different offensive coordinator, they actually do bench Tyrod Taylor. Then he hits the market – well, he doesn't hit the market, but he sees what the market's going to be and re-signs in Buffalo because he knows nobody wants to sign him. And now a different coaching staff has benched him again. No matter whether you think that he's outplayed – what the talent surrounding him is, and I do think that they have a better record in his tenure than they have a right to. Every coaching staff that's worked to him has found him wanting, and it's because he he doesn't exhaust plays. Mm-hmm. He gets sacked more than any quarterback in the league, and while his receivers are running routes and while his coaches are drawing up plays that they want the quarterback to see through, he's leaving the pocket and not seeing the plays through. And I know how coaches think. Run the play I called. Don't leave the pocket. Right. So yeah. I think that's why he's benched. But does it mean Nathan Peterman's going to give them a better chance to win? I don't think there's any chance of that. 
Here's the bad news for us, Mark, by the way. The Bills are now a major player for a quarterback in April. And they have, like the Browns, but the Bills are pretty loaded with draft picks as well. And that is not what you want. Ooh. If you're a team like the Browns, like the Jets, that like Houston the Giants, draft pick gets better every day too. The Ooh. to have to have another team enter the fray, and that's what they're doing. I think the the maybe the logic here is they decided Tyrod Taylor, he's just not our guy. Let's take a look at Peterman because we like what we've seen. Let's give him some starts, and then at least get you have a look at him in live action before you make your big decision whether or not to go all in for a quarterback in April. But they're supposed they're on pace to make the playoffs. That, uh, the one thing is, if you go back and look at what Brandon Bean said about Peterman in the summer, sure. I, this did not just boil up now. They, Some and, people and, thought he might start week one, people close to the They team. gushed over him. So, I, I, Wes, I think you're, you're absolutely point on with Tyrod Taylor. He's not been supported, but he's also someone that inside the building, he's not winning he also, over multiple coaching He staff. also makes really special plays and, and wins games with Nick O'Leary and Deontay Thompson, and, and that's what got us excited. We should mention before we move on, Phillip Rivers – is in the concussion protocol as we tape this. We don't even know if he's starting. This would be the first start in his career that he ever misses. And if he didn't he's play, playing. it'd be – I think it sounds Anthony like Lynn play. again said that he expects him to play. So the it, second time. It's very likely he's playing, which is good because they should win this game. And Ingram and Bosa are just playing so well together. I'm not counting this Chargers team out. This AFC is so I wouldn't wide count open. I would that number six seed in the AFC could not be more wide open. I right. Think There's no way you need ten wins. Not n- nine might be plenty. I think it might not two, even be a tiebreaker. For the nine. two best teams going for that spot are the Ravens and Chargers. How about the idea? Wow. Well, since we bring it up, the fact thank you, the the fact that whoever is the sixth seed and maybe one of these teams gets hot and they become a formidable foe in the playoffs. Even if you get the three seed, you get like a sneaky half a bye if you get a really bad six seed. That 4-5, Blake will throw away the 4-5 game. I'm not sure the three seed is going to be a powerhouse well, either. I don't know. So I would the take other this... division winner is also going to get a sneaky buy because Blake's going to hand it to well, him. You're it's going to be a quadruple buy. I take the six seed and fly them over the Bermuda Triangle. We don't well, need... you're assuming a lot in that Blake is Just a little bit. Again. They have to win the division. <laughs> they have to have a worse record than the Steelers or Patriots. A lot of assumptions yeah. being made there. Not not a lot of good ones. Let's move on. The Cincinnati Bengals are 3-6. and six. Uh, after back-to-back losses, uh, basically we forked them, right? They're done. No, this is a fork on fork scenario. Uh, fork on fork. So let's be quick here. Uh, fork on fork. Brock Osweiler is again playing, uh, but at least Paxton Lynch is now the backup. At this point, the only positive takeaway for the Broncos of the season, I would think now, is a Von Miller doesn't suffer a bad injury or something like that. They don't have any serious injuries, and b Paxton Lynch shows them something when he finally gets in. It feels like we're heading in that direction now. And what does that mean for Trevor Simeon? I feel like this is the first real pain point for John Elway, who, you know, deservedly gets a ton of credit for what he's done. And he really, he's the reason they got Peyton Manning in the first place. It was because John Elway is John Elway. But now you're in a conundrum at this position where you've drafted Paxton Lynch. We have no proof from what we've seen in scant snaps of his that he's the answer on any level. Trevor Simeon's crashed and burned at this point. He's third string. And your other option is Brock Osweiler. It, it, you either have to figure out the quarterback situation again in the offseason or you need to see enough from Paxton Lynch to take a risk on him going into next year. It's a t- weird position for the Broncos I'm to be in. I'm really surprised Simeon's not back in. Is he hurt? What? No. I think they're no. done with and him. Lynch is probably the backup. I, th- I think, Lynch is the, he, I think they saw Brock Osweiler's performance last week and thought, no, oh, they were encouraged. Okay. He played okay. 
All right. I mean, he I was. Mean, convince yourself I'm not saying I, I was, right. but this is the team that brought him in and gave him the starts to begin with. So you gave up on Simeon? That's it? Not, nothing they've done now. makes sense to me. Yes. First of all, you already know what Brock Osweiler is. Exactly. So, so this is a waste of time, this three-game stretch or however long it's going to take. All reports out of Denver all offseason into the summer where the Packton Lynch never came close to putting heat on Trevor Simeon. So why is he all of a sudden, after being injured for two months, being put above him in the rotation? I don't get that at all. There's no reason whatsoever to believe that you're going to put in Paxton Lynch and be pleasantly surprised by what he's doing on the field. Who, who would have thought this before the season this would have been a dead game in week 11? That, that Bengals-Broncos would have nothing going into that's, it. That's killer and, for the AFC. And it took a little while, but I think you now look and – the Rams have the number one defense in the league, according to Football Outsiders. I think you now have this that you can say that they miss Wade Phillips a little bit on defense for Denver. It's taken a little while for me to really buy in that they've fallen off, but they've fallen off. I assume yeah. Vance Joseph's okay. Yeah. There's usually a one-and-done guy in the mix. Marvin right? Lewis, though, I don't know about Marvin Lewis, and he spent half his week at seemingly burying John Ross as, like, the worst dra- draft pick ever. John Ross. Disappointing him and all of this stuff. Hold I don't on. Know. Why are Bengals fans so upset by that? John Ross was a guy who came into camp after missing the entire offseason, didn't know where he was supposed to line up on the field, didn't know what he was supposed to do. Now he misses most of the season, still doesn't know where he's supposed to be, and we're supposed to, and I'm supposed to be upset that Marvin Lewis called him out for that? He doesn't know what he doesn't know what his job is. Talked about him giving up on routes last yeah. week. So Marvin Lewis is allowed to call out his players for not knowing what they're doing on the field. That's fair. Very fair. All right, let's move on. Oh yeah, it's time to head to Santa Ursala, Mexico. Ho ho! Estadio Azteca. <laughs> okay. The New England <laughs> Patriots. Uh, and the Oakland Raiders squaring off the Pats. Mexico's team, according to Derek Carr, who's always been right about everything. Mexico! And we have listeners in Mexico. That's been confirmed. Breaking news. Huge listenership in Mexico to our south. Open arms. To our south. James Palmer what? reporting. That, what am I supposed to say? Well, it is to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Sounded like you like just found that out today. <laughs> James Palmer has tweeted an hour ago. He is covering this game in Mexico and says that Raiders fans are swarming in full force at customs to cross the border. <laughs> Guys, calm down. Just, it's a football oh, it's, game. It is just there. Just get there. It, it, this is, this is that kind of fan base. You got a lot of time. Anyway, Patriots 7-2. and two. Uh, Obviously, they've blown away the AFC East once again. And the Raiders <clears throat> coming off a bye. This is it, Wes. This is the most important game of their season. You want us to take you seriously as a team that that not only can get that uh, playoff spot, but also we have a little hope to conjure up some of the spirits of 2016. Go win a game in Estado. I don't think that's. I don't <laughs> think that's. Uh, you're not asking too much. If we're going to take this team seriously, they have to win. And it's because their secondary is a conflagration. They are, they are one of the worst secondaries we've Look seen that one in years. Up. It's good to have West back with the big words. And you see, it, they put Gary and Conley, their first round pick, on IR this week. And you look around the league, and you see teams like the Saints, what they're getting out of Marcus Lattimore, what the Bills are getting out of Tre'Davious White, and the Raiders have gotten nothing out of their first round cornerback. Sean Smith is slow. David Amerson has been burnt all season long, and I think the. The Patriots continue to roll 
against this Raiders defense. It can't stop anyone through the air. This is becoming a tired stat because it started to be tracked about three weeks ago, but they are the only team in NFL history to enter this late stage of the season without an interception on defense. That That's is hard to hard, do. That, exactly. That is, you get you get you a couple. Bad luck. Not even just, a yeah, that. there is bad luck. Yeah, but, but that means there's no game in NFL history like less likely to have an interception on the Patriots side than this. Tom Brady, who's thrown what oh, yeah. two in the last twenty something games, and that's Brady. why the games aren't played on paper. Greg, seven picks for Brady. Mark it down, Erica <laughs> Tamposi. Mm. Wow, that's a Sessler. I don't see her writing anything. I think she's <laughs> completely disregarded your point. Uh, yeah, well, I guess. I kind of like the Raiders. I root for the Raiders. They're kind of like my AFC West team that makes me happy a little bit. I don't know why. I like the fans. I feel bad for them maybe. But do I feel confident that anyone's going to stop Tom Brady? Because Brady just looks to be just as it looked last year and probably the last seven years before that. But especially right now, he seems unconscious. Like the game is in slow motion to him right now, and he sees things in a way that other people just don't see the game. So to, to imagine that – the, the Raiders are going to scheme to stop Brady. No, so they're going to need to score a lot of points. This needs to be a double be 40. Shootout. This, and it could be a double 40 burger. I don't, I don't think it would shock. Double 40 it, burger? It wouldn't shock me if this Woo. game is 41 to 38. This is the best offense in the league against the worst defense, according to Football Outsiders. And it's pretty closely flipped the other way. I would say the worst pass rush, one of the worst pass rushes, against what should be a really good offensive line. They've been a little up and down, but overall they've protected Derek Carr well. So this should be a game where Carr has some time and can pick apart the Patriots' uh, defense and that they can go up and down the field at least a little bit oh, to on. keep up with them. We just did this last week with the Broncos where it was, you know, New, different. Engl- <laughs> New England's going to crumble for a reason. The, the Raiders have a done lot of some these things metrics, A lot of these New England defensive metrics, aren't they still anchored and tied to the really oh, rough start? A little had? bit, but you give up a the lot of last yards. Last three weeks, they've given up fewer points total than they did in week one to the Chiefs. I mean, yeah. they, they're averaging about 13.5 points per game allowed right now. They've rounded into shape. The issue early on, if you listen to what those players were saying, was communication issues in the secondary. Yeah. They've cleaned that up. This defense but is not a big issue right now. That's they, not fair they, to your Patriots, Greg, by the way, to, to think that they are in danger of a 40-burger where that, that team has been kind of gone unlikely. for That's two fair. Months. I where guess I this, haven't seen Where's this explosive Raiders offense? I haven't seen it all right. year. I don't, I don't know why the Patriots should be scared of the Raiders' offense. Uh-oh, is this going to be another blowout? It I, would, just don't I like, think it's much more ripe for a blowout, this is just me, than a 40 No, I agree. This is game. not a game, and I'll, this is usually when it comes back to haunt me. This is not a game as a Patriots fan that worries me because I would just be so stunned if the Patriots didn't put up 35 plus 40 points and then they figure out a way to win. I think right now Deion Lewis, the way he's running between the tackles and the way Rex Burkhead is coming out of the backfield and James White, I think Bill Belichick has kind of found his perfect backfield. He's been building up to this for a while. Like Their biggest advantage every week is running backs matched up against linebackers and safeties. And this trio, and whenever they want to have Gillisley active, that's kind of like his nirvana of a running game. And it's taken them a little bit to figure out this offense, but now it's really kind of rolling. I totally agree with you. I think you come out of the double birds to the fantasy community. (laughs) Absolutely. I think you come out of this game because there have been some whispers at some low points this season for the Raiders that there is some ownership discontent uh, from the head coach and other areas here that I think you come out of this if this goes poorly for, for the Raiders. There's going to be issues that potentially could have offseason well, the, ramifications. The, the defensive staff, especially, who's never figured anything out under Del Rio. Ken Norton's not had good defenses, and they get confused, and that's the last thing you want playing Brady, who's been mixing up pace very well. I could see them 
kind of speeding it up and then slowing it down and catching them off guards and just the Raiders kind of looking incompetent. All right, so you have a lot to look forward to this weekend. I hope so. The throne of ease <laughs> lives on. Moving on, the Philadelphia Eagles, a team with a better record than the Patriots and everybody else in the league, 8-1, and one, travel to Dallas, and they go at a perfect time, let's face it, uh, against the Cowboys. No Zeke Elliott. Tyron Smith still up in the air at left tackle, and we saw what happened when he entrusted a man named Chaz. Uh, and no Sean Lee, who's really the backbone of Dallas's defense. So all of this adds up, Greg, to the Eagles being in a great spot to salt away the division, if that was even in mm. a question, and also put the Cowboys on life support in the NFC. And they, they would absolutely love to do that, and I do, and, you know, through no fault of your own. I do have a little bit of breaking news oh! for what you were just talking about. Oh! Hit it, Tamposi! <laughs> Greg, legitimately excited right now. NFL media insider? I don't know. Jane Slater? What do we call her? She's she is a it. NFL network reporter. NFL Cowboys network reporter. reporter. Jane Slater reports Tyron Smith will not be suiting up for the well, team. Byron Bell is starting, and uh, that's great news for Brandon Graham oh. and the rest of this great Eagles pass. She heard that from Cowboys sourced whispers, so I think she is a bit of an insider. Yeah, that's what Nailed this one. She had a source. That is a this is a brutal spot for the Cowboys. Miss. Are the Eagles defensive line the best position group in the NFL? Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan, and Vinnie Curry, and then you throw in Chris Long coming off the bench. I say Bo yes. Allen. I think they're the best position group in the NFL. Because what else would be in the mix? I guess the Jaguars – Defensive backs, you know, or yeah, yeah, cornerbacks that's, that's in the mix. The the Panthers linebackers are obviously very good, but no, I would put the Eagles front four as the most consistent week to week wrecking crew around. You want to talk about our what I love? I don't know if the rest of the people in the room can give a hoot about this, but the coach hoot. assistant coach hoot. of the year award. And Mark, I think number Mark one, right. hold on, Greg. Greg, hit the brakes. Hit the brakes for a minute, please. Rod Marinelli. Pump the brakes. Rod Marinelli, I think, or hit the year brakes, after year. Can I possibly <laughs> finish a sentence in this room? Well, you're telling him to hit Can the, I possibly finish are you a sentence him to hit during the this show? Wait, is it, or are, pump the brakes. Are you going to finish it? Or hit the, them, because the car is speeding out of control. Hit them. Don't pump them. Hit them. All right, go ahead. Rod Marinelli, I think, is one of the most <laughs> underrated coaches in the NFL with what he's done with this defense. Injuries up and down the place. David Irvin, Demarcus Lawrence, he has this team every year. They get counted out in the offseason. One time I talked to 50 phrases to describe how bad this defense was. He completely put it back in my face and everyone else's. But on the flip side, Jim Schwartz for the Eagles, I think, is another very strong candidate and probably will be a head coach again soon. Oh, yeah. I think he wants to be a head coach. You got it out. I'll tell you, it's a chore. I mean, I wasn't sure. It's if a it, chore. It is an utter chore. I wasn't sure if it was you or the 85-year-old woman that had taken over your body when you called something a hoot, but you got it out. It is a chore. <laughs> I will reiterate. It is a task. I would be stunned, stunned, stunned if the Eagles don't win this game, but hmm. I, I, I Okay, I agree with all that, and I expect the Eagles to win. The offensive line is not special when you're missing Tyron Smith because then you look like – who, who do you have, really? You have Jonathan Cooper, who's not really a great left guard. You have Lyle Collins, who's not played well against the pass at all at right tackle. So suddenly it's just down to two guys in the middle. That's not enough. You're missing Sean Lee. And yet I, I do think you still have Dak Prescott. You do have the bones of a team that could win a game at home if they're playing their best. I don't think this is just like a walk. I agree with matchup. you. I agree with you to such an extent. What? No way. And let me tell you something right now. Don't do it, bro. Yes, 
because I believe that Dallas is not done with the season yet. And I think the Eagles are a Super Bowl-level team that's going to have one or two trip-ups. Whoa! it's going to come this weekend. I am locking it up. Whoa! <laughs> wow. You're locking up the Cowboys. Yes, I am. Good. We got a lock-off. Oh! I have so much respect for Dak Prescott. I don't think there are five quarterbacks in the league I would take over him. Uh, Like you said, Rob Marinelli, I have respect for them. They're playing at home. For all the talk about the Eagles' defensive line going against uh, a banged-up Cowboys offensive line, Vitae has to block Demarcus Lawrence and David Irving, too. So I've checked my conscience. And my conscience tells me I'm allowed to lock up the Eagles. <laughs> Wait, oh, yeah, I was getting confused because yeah. you were making the case for the Cowboys. No, I have to make a case no, for where I'm is... allowed to lock up the you're Eagles. You're absolutely you allowed. Yeah. You're absolutely You looked in the allowed. mirror, and what did you see when uh, you looked in that mirror? I, I saw some A man in a smoking jacket that respected his pick. Yeah. That's I fine. think he's also he's a, he you have some showmanship because you've created another lockoff, which is great for this podcast. Good if, job, Wes. If Mark's gonna be right here though, like Cole Beasley, it's been slipping under the radar. I know we want to move on. This is a great game. I've been waiting for <laughs> great games on? all oh, year. Beasley talk? Cole Beasley this talking is, here. This is, is the, this necessary? This Greg? is the first week of the year. I feel like we have like three or four great games. They have thrown the ball to Cole Beasley 40 times this year. He has 188 yards. That is the least efficient, worst mm. connection in the league right now. Is Dak Prescott? to Cole Beasley and Des Bryant's connection is around 50% too. It's not, it's not a lot Surprising. better. So those two guys, like that passing game has to show that they can carry the team. We'll see. And of course the Zeke Elliott uh, saga is over suspended, unsuspended, suspended, unsuspended, suspended, unsuspended, suspended. And now he has accepted that suspension. So you won't see him again until the middle of December, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. So late December, 24th, that's technically late. Against the Seahawks. Could be a big uh, big return game. So that's Sunday Night Football. Finally, Monday Night Football, the Atlanta Falcons, 5-4. and four, uh, And, you know, that's why I think Dallas has almost no chance. I hated the way the Cowboys looked in that game and everything that Adrian Claiborne did to the backup left tackle, all that. They kick butt. They kick, they kick took us. What is it? What did you say before? I don't give a hoot about something. I don't don't give a hoot about the Cowboys after what they did against the Falcons. And now they got to go to uh, Atlanta's got to go to Seattle to face the Seahawks, who won Thursday Night Football, got the mini by. But you know who's not coming back, Mark? Richard Sherman, Achilles tendon tear. And this defense is not the same when Sherman's not there. No, and for me, it only adds more pressure to the quarterback in Russell Wilson, who is being relied on more than any other in the entire league. He has accounted for 95.2% of their offensive touchdowns. Every game, it seems, comes down to Russell Wilson having to dig them out of a hole. Dan, you and I watched this game last week where Seattle knocked out Arizona, and he made what I thought was one of the plays of the year. Oh, yeah. With his patented cycling back, his figure eight, rushing away from defenders and flinging the ball downfield to a player that no one else even sees. And he does this week after week. It works, but I don't know if it works Ultimately, for Seattle, they, they feel to me like a team that's endangered if they, they don't find more balance in their offense. And on defense, I think we'll have to see how the Richard Sherman thing plays out. I'd, I do think that uh, their rookie cornerback, Shaq Griffin, has looked good. He has. He's going to have to stay good because a big part of their defense is that Sherman could lock down that, that side of the field, and that's just not going to happen anymore. You gotta, is Earl Thomas okay, that hamstring? Sounds like he – well, it's it, – Pete Carroll sounds was expecting he'll play. We don't know. It sounds like he'll play. He confirmed. Cam Chancellor. He will play. Oh, confirmed. Cam Chancellor is up in the air with the stinger. 
Dwayne Brown, who has solidified their left tackle spot, done a nice job since he was acquired, is a game-time decision. So you look at the Seahawks, there's a lot going wrong. You're right, Russell Wilson is just carrying them. They haven't had a great home field advantage. The defense hasn't been quite as good. And the Falcons, I think, can look at what Matt Ryan has done the last couple weeks and feel pretty good about it. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions, and both of those interceptions were not his fault. I think they got it going. You I don't know if last week was a turning point game. We'll see. You need more than one. But it wasn't just Claiborne. They got a lot of good defensive efforts from a lot of players last week. And in, on paper, this isn't a tough matchup against the Seahawks offense. You should be able to get pressure and slow them down. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport says that it doesn't look good for Devonta Freeman to play. But unlike the Seahawks, the Falcons have running back depth. Tevin Coleman looked good last week. He's one of the best uh, I guess 1B backups in, in the NFL. So I trust the Fa- the Falcons running game a lot more. I think this is a fascinating game. Do you guys remember this game last year? I thought it was yes. one of the sneaky games of the year, kind of the game that made me think the Falcons are for real, even though they ended up losing it. It was a terrific game. These were kind of the two favorites of the NFC going into the year. And now you know, whoever loses this game, you're not going to feel too good about it. I think if Atlanta's going to turn this season around, they got to go win this game, and I think they will. This is such an important game for the Falcons. Let's pick this game. I like this one. Uh, I, I think it will be the Falcons, and I, I kind of thought I've never been com- completely sold on the Seahawks this year, and now you take out Sherman, and it just feels to me they are a step below the rest of the class of the NFC. I think the Falcons are in that step below group as well, but I just feel good about Atlanta this week. I have to disagree. I think Seattle's going to win this game. <laughs> You do. Yeah. You do. Why do you believe that? Just think it's a, it's in Seattle. I don't I, okay. I, listen with the Falcons. I a lot of the way I feel about it, the Falcons is sometimes a little bit too attached to last year, and I'm starting to become completely unattached to last year. Well, you usually it's like the moment you think they're dead, that's when they rise. And these are two teams that you think it's so early in the season still, even though it doesn't feel that way, that they that one of these teams has enough inside of them to be better. The Falcons have, have not shown signs of being the 2016 Falcons. They were just 6-4 and four after 10 games last year. It would be the same exact record as this year. They were 7-5 and five after 12 different, games. Though. I know it's different, but at least they I think they have the players and the guts on their team pick, to play better. Falcons. I, I had already said it earlier. I, I started so. this whole thing. I thought so. I'm picking the Falcons for the same reason. I think there are a lot. I know that there's a contingent in this room. Dan has represented the Falcons are dead side of the spectrum. I don't think they're dead by any stretch. I think they're way too talented. I respect uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and their running game too much to write them off. I alone have picked Seattle in Seattle. I like this dynamic. Mm. Greg picked the Falcons twice. I didn't know. No, he's I didn't locked know up, it was he's all locked up so seven orderly games. that you couldn't <laughs> speak again unless you were making a pick. All right, that's it for Greg is pumping show. his arms. <laughs> I'm excited. Like a juvenile. I'm, get, I'm getting hair, a haircut right after this. Oh, wait, oh, listen, wow. dude. Talk about getting your weekend going. That'll be a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back Sunday night with our flagship uh, offering, so make sure uh, you're there for that. And uh, thank you to everybody. And also we'll have, have a nice announcement next week uh, when Lindsey Fulton gets to town. Um, and, yeah, next week will be a fun week with Thanksgiving week. We're going to have, for the first time, uh, a Thanksgiving night show, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. A lot to look forward to, uh, but let's go for now. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman. Love having the mailman here, the old boss. Erica Tomposi behind the glass. Hey! A loose cannon. cannon. Till Sunday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.